What do you think about waiting? I guess when I think of waiting, uh, something from the historical archives comes to mind. And when I think of waiting, I see this clip. And so I'd like to share that with you now. Or am I not sharing it? Oh. Suppose you've got to split things up. If you're in such a hurry, you could lower a rope or a tree branch or find something useful to do. We'll do that. I've got some rope up here, but I do not think it would accept my help, since I am only waiting around to kill you. That does put a damper on our relationship. But I promise I will not kill you until you reach the top. That's very comforting, but I'm afraid you'll just have to wait. I hate waiting. Will give you my word as a Spaniard? No good. I've known too many Spaniards. Is there any way you trust me? Nothing comes to mind. I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya. You will reach the top alive. Throw me the rope. Sometimes that's how I picture waiting. Uh, whether waiting at the top or, or actually waiting feels a lot more like climbing the cliff. As we're struggling, we're wondering, I saw one of my friends post the other day that they've been waiting for Ned to arrive, and finally he showed up. Ned, no evidence of disease. After a long battle with breast cancer, uh, they rejoice that Ned showed up. How do we respond to waiting? Whether it's waiting for answers uh, because of medical stuff or um, waiting for answers, seeing how something's going to go with your kids. Uh, there's lots of things that we wait on. And waiting is hard. And, and what I've found in this day and age is that we have a problem with itchy fingers. Uh, when we're waiting, our fingers start to itch, and we go for the, the cell phone, and we start browsing the internet. Uh, we start checking WebMD. We start searching, trying to find the answers that maybe only God can answer, but we search, and we hope, and we think, you know, if I just try hard, if I just look more, I can find the answer. And, and in the midst of all this, doubts and fears start to creep in, and worry starts to wear on us and we become weary. Because the fact of the matter is we live in a, in a broken world, a world that is hurting, a, a world that is, is not working the way that it's supposed to. Uh, we look around at us and we see broken relationships. Broken relationships, and, and even though that we know that there's some fault of our own in that, but we long for a day when those relationships are made right and we, we can be restored with the people that we love. And sometimes there's been wrongs done to us or we've done wrongs to others and, and we want justice, we want things set right, we want things restored. And this verse from Amos uh, chapter 8 talks to kind of this desire that's in us. And it's not going to be on the screen. Ah, there it is. All right. 
Let's just skip to verse 24. This whole context, you can read it if you want to, but after you read it, come talk to me because it's kind of crazy. This verse right here, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. This is what we want as people. We want justice, we want righteousness, we want things set right. But it doesn't always happen in our time, and so we wait. The Bible recognizes that waiting is hard. I want to share with you a parable that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven and about our challenge as people in waiting. From Matthew chapter 25, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the ones also came out. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. And there we see that the Bible even identifies, understands our struggle as people, that waiting is hard. You notice there, everyone became drowsy and fell asleep. It wasn't just some, everybody gets tired of waiting. But the Bible also promises that one day the waiting is going to be over. One day everything's going to be set right. One day Jesus is going to return and call those who are his own and bring them into his heavenly kingdom, heaven on earth, creation restored, justice and righteousness flowing like a stream and running like a river. So the question is, what do we as people need what do we need? We need oil in our lamps. And so the question is, how do we get that oil in our lamps? How do we have oil so that we can be ready for the bridegroom when he comes? You see, the oil is the power of Christ in his word. Or more simply put, God's grace active in us. How do we get it? Last verse there said we are to watch. We as God's people are called to watch, to keep our eyes open. And so how do we watch? And what are we watching for? We're watching for God to be active in our world, active in our lives, to see his grace at work in us and in the people around us. Because 
It's one thing to know what God says. It's another thing to see it at work in our lives, to experience that grace so that it becomes more and more real to us, so that it forms in us a a wellspring of oil that will never run out because we know that that's the place that we go as our source for joy, our source for hope, our source for life. So here's just a couple of ways to apply it and a couple of things that you can do to have oil in your life and to experience that grace. And if you're going to be watching for for God to be at work in the world, the first thing you need to do is know what kind of things God does. Because you aren't going to be able to notice what he's doing in the world if you don't know who he is or what he's all about. And so the first thing you can do is read. Read God's word. So that when you see things happening in your life and in the world around you, you can interpret it and understand it through the lens of Scripture. But reading Scripture is one of those things that I think all of us probably find hard from time to time because sometimes we don't understand it. We don't know exactly what's going on. And it's one of those things that it's kind of like waiting. Something you do over and over again and it becomes repetitious. So how do you read and find yourself continually doing that so the Word of God can fill your heart and your life. The other day, I was talking with one of my coworkers about working out, and he says, you know, I'm good for about two weeks, and then my, uh, you know, drive runs out, and I stop. What I need is accountability. That's what we need to encourage us to read the Word of God is accountability. We need a family of people to walk with us, people to encourage us. And that's one of the reasons that it's important to go to church on a regular basis so that we can understand some of those things that we don't quite get, so that we are encouraged by people around us. One of the things that keeps me accountable in my life and helps me to know that I need to work a little bit more in this area is my girls because I want them to have the faith that lives in me. And if I'm not in God's word, how can I share God's word with them? And so that's one of the things that keeps me accountable. The next thing is, is to know where you're headed. Paul speaks to the Thessalonians in chapter 4 and reminds us that there's a great hope in store for us. And he, he doesn't want us to be unwise. He doesn't want that fear to overwhelm us. And so he shares these words with them, helping them to, to be encouraged, to know where they're headed He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that you who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
The second way that we watch is by knowing what's coming for us, by understanding that future that is out ahead of us and that God has something great in store for us. The third thing we do is we remain present. I think one of the challenges that we have is that it's easy to become consumed with ourselves, to, to turn our heads down into a cell phone or a device. And when we're constantly focused on digital media, we miss what God is doing right around us. In our families, in our neighborhoods, in community, when we're walking around hanging out with other people. And, and when we're focused down on a phone or a device, we're missing what God is doing in the present right in front of us. And part of that is when we're worried and we're consumed, our temptation is to go to this and distract ourselves. And we need to look up and need to trust that God is up to something bigger. It's a way of getting you into the Thanksgiving spirit. I have a quote that Pastor Tim shared with us. And what I want you to take home from this is the last line of this quote. Uh, which will be up on the screen for you in just a minute as we get there. To be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy, but to be grateful for all the moments of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejection, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, we are only grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would rather not remember and those that we would like to remember, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are and know now where we are now and trust that we'll soon see in it the guiding hand of our loving God. So the challenge is for us as Christians to be present, to be present and trust that in it all we are going to see the hand of God at work because you'll never go broke risking everything on God. The act of trusting in itself is a replenishing activity. And as long as you give yourself fully to the act of trusting God, there will always be more to give. Last night after the 6.30 service, someone from St. John's shared with me a story about their daughter, about something they were struggling through, and their daughter was in rehab, and their daughter got kicked out of rehab. And he said, that was the worst day of my life. Because everything looked like it was heading in the wrong direction. But getting kicked out of rehab was what got her into a 90-day program. A 90-day program that gave her the resources and the skills to be able to stay sober to this day. And so what looked like the worst thing was the best thing. And that's what we're called to hope and trust and watch for is for God to be at work. As I've seen in my life, God does his greatest work on us as people in the hardest moments because that's where we learn to trust him the most.
Excuse me. Sorry about that. And finally, um, pray. I've noticed in my life that, that prayer can kind of drift between two polar ends. Uh, maybe you guys know this. Uh, when something's going on in your life, you kind of get this heated sort of praying about you where, where you can almost come accusingly to God, demanding of him, saying, I need this in my life now. I need you to fix this. And that's okay. Jesus even endorses that kind of prayer. But then there's the other side of prayer that we can sometimes slide into, the half-hearted, passionate, passionless, vague prayer. And what we need to develop in ourselves as followers of Jesus is a discipline of prayer that, that, that has passion about it, passion for God to work in our lives and our world. And yet at the same time as we're passionately praying to have a sense of contentment in his will and his love. And when we're able to pray like that, we'll truly see God at work in our world and in our hearts. And I know this is a bunch of application stuff, and it's all kind of just passing the time. It's all still waiting, right? So how do we really hang on? How do we hang on while we're trying to watch, while we're still waiting? There's a song by Casting Crowns that has grabbed my heart recently. Um, oh, my soul. And you're going to go out and listen to it, and then you're going to demand that Marco plays it, which is going to be awesome. Sorry, Marco. And in there, there's a line that says, there is a place where fear has to face the Lord that you know. That place is Jesus. That place is Jesus. Jesus the God of all creation who set the planets and the stars in motion as we sung about a moment ago. That place is Jesus who died to save 8 billion people. That place is Jesus. And what I believe is that in the sorrow, in the struggle, as you're waiting through trust, you will see the face of Jesus and beauty as you get a deeper and greater understanding of the love of God in Jesus. See, Jesus is the rope. And the tighter you hold onto that rope, the tighter you'll realize that he has held onto you. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Amen.